Is there anything approaching the intensity of David in your quest for God? How close to you are you to that intensity that David has? Now, now understand, David was an intense guy, wasn't he? I mean, when he was a young man, he was intense about following God. When, when he became older, he, he messed up and he did some bad things, but he did it with intensity, you know? And then, you know, so, so you look at David and David is, is full throttle. He's all out. He's 100%. He's going. But I'm reminded of that scripture in Revelation where, where we're told that God would rather us be hot or cold. That if we're lukewarm, He wants to spit us out of His mouth. So, so, so where is your white-hot intensity this year? Where is your white-hot intensity? What, what, what really gets you going? What, what really excites you? And is there anything in your life approaching that kind of intensity? He seeks God with totality. He speaks of his soul and his body. You know, taken together, this means his, his, the wholeness of his being. His total self. Uh, he, he's not compartmentalizing like some men do, you know. He's not separating this area from that area. He's not, he's not separating the cerebral from, from, you know, from the bodily, from the, you know, the spiritual, from the mundane. It's, it's all there together, man. It's all mixed there together. And, and he's saying with totality. This, this means his emotions, his feelings, his, his reason or, or the way he thinks. His will or what he wants in life. His physical body. Everything is wrapped up in this. He's not holding anything back. Everything is wrapped up in this totality of wanting to seek God in his life. It all craves. Every fiber of his being craves the living God. And so he seeks God with intensity and and, and he seeks God with uh, totality. And then he seeks God out of necessity. Notice that he says, in a dry land where there is no water. In a dry land where there is no water. David considered himself a dry desert in need of water from God. He wasn't just in the desert. He was a desert. And he needed God desperately. He needed God desperately. Now, now, now look at the difference here. He, he, he talks about, about a dryness to life. You know what I've noticed down through the years? Young people don't usually have this dryness. They'll have an excitement about something. It may be misplaced, but they'll have an excitement about something. Okay? They'll, they'll have a passion about something. They'll, they'll, they'll get fired up about something. You know what I've noticed? The older we get, the more I run into people that have said, you know what, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I had real passion about this, or I had a real passion about that, or I, I was really excited about this other thing. And, and you know what I found out? I found out that none of them really are satisfying. I found out that really none of those things really make me happy. And so, you know, you know what I found with, with, with some older folks, and they've gotten to the place where, where they, they're, not really compassion, they're not really passionate about anything. Not really anything. 
I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to pay my bills. You know, it's fun when I see the kids. That sort of thing. But there's really no passion. There, there, there's, no, there's no real over jumping over bushes joy about anything, you know? It just is what it is. And, and, and the reason why is that, is that any time we put too much into the things of this world, they are going to disappoint us. They are always going to disappoint us. The great thing about following the living God is that when we have a passion for Him, He does not disappoint us. Look at our scripture again. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Look at what he says here. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul, listen to this. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Here again, there are people all over our world that have passion about certain things, but they get to that place where they realize, you know what? This ultimately is not satisfying. This ultimately does not bring me what I was looking for. It does not bring me joy. It does not bring me happiness. It does not bring me what I want. We, we seek after something and we, end up, we find out that there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a, a cold, dry biscuit at the end of the trail, you know? When, 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 when we seek God and... and and we live the life that He wants us to live. It's satisfying. It's it's it's. I don't know if you guys are, are into this sort of thing, but it's like a it's like a big juicy steak with the marrow still. You know where you just it's just it's it's rich and it's satisfying. And that's the kind of life God wants you to have. He He wants you to have a life that's rich and satisfying. Well, when was the last time? And here again, no, I'm not asking you to raise hands or anything, but when was the last time you really gave yourself something, gave yourself wholeheartedly to something, and at the, when it was all said and done, you sat back a little bit tired, a little bit worn bodily, but you were really satisfied, really felt a sense of satisfaction that that was worthwhile. You know, for us Christians, a, 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 another way of maybe saying is that, that God really used you. That you knew that God had, had made a difference through you. I used to, <laughs> there was a guy in my former church years ago. He, he used to say to me, he would come up, you know, he was the cynic. He was the church cynic. Okay? And he was always saying, well, you know what, Pastor? I just don't find this joy and I just don't find this peace and I just don't find, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I would say, well, when was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone? Well, I could never do that. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And I'm thinking of another guy. He was a, he was a hard dude. He, 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 was, uh, he was an old colonel uh, in the 
United States Army. And quite honestly, he, he was not the easiest guy to be his pastor because he was, all of his life, he was, he was used to ordering people around. Okay, what I mean? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm just going to say it, his wife was worse than he was, okay? When she said jump, you know, you know she expected you to ask how far. And, and it wasn't easy being their pastor. It just wasn't. But, but I remember and I got a chance to walk with him through this. His wife passed away. And he was lost. He was just lost. And we said, you know what? Why don't you go on this mission trip? To Never been on a mission trip. I understand that. But, but, but go with us. You know, I understand it's kind of dangerous down in Haiti. Well, you know what? It can be. And I understand, you know, this is a guy that was spitting polish and, and, and he said, I understand the conditions down there aren't great. Well, they're not. And, oh, and one other thing, Roy, you won't be in charge. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking there's zero chance he's going to go, right? Zero chance. You know what? I don't know if it was the grief or the loneliness or the hurt or the just searching or whatever it was. He signed up and went, and man, there was a transformation in Roy. He, he, was, he was cooperative. He was friendly. He was, and, and I want to tell you something. Those little Haitian kids melted his heart. That would have never, ever happened if Roy had stayed in his comfort zone. It would have never happened if he hasn't been willing to step out. Now, I don't, personally, I don't think Roy would have done that if, if his wife was still alive and, and he wasn't going through such a difficult time. I may be wrong. I don't know. But you know, that just brings up another point. Sometimes God takes us to the desert so that he can get our attention. Sometimes we have to go through difficult times before we're willing to step out and do something out of our comfort zone. I have another question for you this morning. I mean, we're, what, we're day eight. Day eight of a new year. Have you done anything this year so far that you felt a little uncomfortable about? Have you stepped out of your comfort zone just a little bit this year to do something that maybe you feel like God would want you to do? Because I remember when I was talking to Roy, I said, Roy, about this, this whole, uh, this whole uh, Haiti thing, I said, what about, what about this? Uh, you know, do you, think it's, do you think it's a good idea to go, to go help people in need? Yes. Do you think it's a good idea? Yes. Do you think this is a good idea? Yes. Do you think this is a good thing? Yes. Do you think you could? Yes. Well, then what's stopping you? And, and my question for you is the same thing. There are things in your life that you probably know about. You probably know, you know, it would really be good for that to happen. And, you know, I could do that. And... And I have the ability to do that, and I have the resources to do that, and I have the time to do that, or I can make the time to do that, and, and, and all of these different things. But you aren't doing it. And you know why you're not doing it? Because you've never done it before. Or it pushes you out of your comfort zone. And you don't want to. 
You know, the famous last words of every Baptist church, we've never done it that way before. And we, we, we're pretty tough on institutions, but you know what? As individuals, we can put that same microscope on ourselves. I've never done that before. You know what's exciting? And I believe this with all of my heart. What's exciting is no matter how old you are, no matter how many miles you have on you, no matter how much of life you think you've seen, what's exciting is when you step out and you do something you've never done before. It helps you to grow. It, it, it brings excitement. It, yeah, it brings a little fear, sure. Why are roller coasters popular? Because they scare people. Now, personally, I'm just telling you right up front, if ever I go, you know, me and you go to Six Flags together, you're not getting me on a roller coaster. I'm not doing that, okay? I don't care what you say about the new year, all right? But, you know, we laugh about things like that, uh, but why do we not do the things God wants us to do? We're afraid. We're afraid. We're scared to step out of our comfort zone. He sought God with intensity. He sought God with the totality of his being. He sought God because it was necessary. And, and how did he do it? Well, he remembered God in worship. Look at, look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory and your, and your power in your glory. He, he experienced God in worship. I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you know, we live in a world where, where everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has their own schedule. Everybody's doing their own thing. I mean, listen, trying to get church people to all march in one direction is like trying to herd cats sometimes. I mean, it is. It's just the truth. But, you know, back in the day, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, Less not, not a generation ago, people came to church because they that's what they just that's that's what they did. And and I don't want to sound legalistic here, but I want to say to you something. Willow Bend Church will be a stronger, better church if you're consistent in your attendance, being here, because when you're here, that's the presence of Jesus Christ in this place, as you're a believer, you bring that presence with you. And it touches the presence of other believers here. And the more of you that are here, the more presence of Christ is here. And the more you can, you can fellowship with one another and get to know one another and love one another. God did not create us to live our lives in a vacuum. He created us to live in fellowship. Some of you may, may, may have been coming here a long time but you really don't know anybody you need to get to know some folks you need to get to know people you need to learn you know who people are and, 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 and learn about them and get to know them because we're all in this thing together and we need each other we need each other when I was growing up I, I'll give you a crazy example real quick when I was growing up the First Baptist Church of Rockwall, Texas gave you a pen if you did not miss a day of Sunday school all year long. Did you know that? Now, now how many of y'all were in churches like that? You, you, some of you remember that. Okay. Well, I wanted that pen. I didn't care a thing about learning about Jesus or about Moses or anything else. I wanted that pen. 
I wanted that pen. Guess what? After I got that one pen, I wanted that two-year pen. And after I got that two-year pen, I wanted that three-year pen. And did you know that by the time I graduated from high school, I had a 14-year pen? Isn't that amazing? What? I heard that. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy, huh? Listen, I remember one time my family, we went out to Anaheim, California to go to Disneyland and they had to find a place for me to go to Sunday school so I wouldn't lose my record. Now, if that's not legalism, I don't know what is. It was crazy, right? But can I tell you something? Even though I might not have always been there for the right reasons, because I was there, I learned about Jesus. And I learned the great stories of the Bible. You know, One of my mentors, a guy by the name of Paul Powell, died this last week. I can't remember if I told you all that or not, but what a fabulous guy. His funeral uh, was, was uh, last Monday. And uh, you name them in, in Baptist life in the United States of America, they were there. It was like a who's who of, of you know, because Paul was, a, was, just a, was just a great great guy, great guy. But one of the greatest Christian and Baptist statesmen of the last 80 years did not come to Jesus and not, did not start coming to church because he, wanted, he was interested in Jesus. He found out that they had a softball team and, a, and, and, and if you came to church, you could play on the softball team. And if you didn't come to church, you couldn't play on the softball team. And he said, and this was his famous line, he said, I put up with religion because I wanted the recreation. But guess what? He found Jesus. He found Jesus, and once he found Jesus, he, he uh, well, the rest is history. Uh, I will say one thing about Paul. And, uh, when we get into leadership, I'm going to talk a lot about him because he was a great, a great, a great leader. But he, he could raise money like you wouldn't believe. When he, when he went to Truett Seminary, they had zero endowment, and he was there about five years, and when he left, they had a $38 million endowment. Okay. Paul knew how to, how to raise money. And, uh, but he joked when he was, when he was talking to us one day, he, he was talking about, uh, he wasn't talking to me, but he was talking to some other guys like me. And he said, you know, when I die, he said, I know what y'all, y'all are going to quote, uh, I think it's John twenty two sixteen at my funeral. And they said, what is that? And he quoted it. He said, and there came a time when the beggar died, you know, <laughs> because he was always asking people for money for things. You know, he could make fun of himself. But guys, here again, Paul was the kind of guy that, that lived life with a passion. He, he, he never, ever did anything halfway. And, and, and we need to live our lives like that. When was the last time you got really fired up about anything? When was it? Look, I love, I love college football, but, but can I tell you something? It's crazy to me that hundreds of thousands of people can go into stadiums every Saturday and they can, they can put up with the heat, they can put up with the cold, they can put up with, with $8 bottles of water, they can put up with, with all that craziness, and they can just go nuts and they can scream themselves to death for a bunch of 19 and 22-year-old kids running around hitting each other. 
But if we ask somebody to go to a to a to a religious thing where they had to pay dollars, you know, for for water or 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 pay a hundred dollars for a ticket or or a, oh, what would we, oh my goodness? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you get the disconnect there? Either God is our Lord and we are passionate about Him or we are not. We are not. One or the other. Look at how he remembers Him. He remembers Him in the darkness. He says in verse 6, On my bed I remember you. I think of you throughout the watches of the night. You know, scholars disagree on what that means. It means literally in the night. God thinks, but they also think that he that David is talking about in the dark days of life. I remember you in the dark times of my life. David became so engrossed with God that 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 the good times, the bad times, daytime, nighttime, he was thinking about his God. And so he began the year seeking, we begin the year seeking God and we begin the year remembering God. And, and then, this is something I think a lot of you for the size church, you're, you're pretty good at. But you can always do better. And that is we need to spend time praising God. We need to spend time praising God. We can praise Him because of His love. Verse 3, what does verse 3 say? I've already read it. Your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. We can praise Him because of spiritual satisfaction. That, that whole idea of being, of being satisfied, the marrow and the fatness, being fully satisfied. I don't know, if you're like me, you've probably read all about different ways to, to, to lose weight or different ways to do... And one of the reasons why a lot of people don't is because they don't get enough protein and they don't get enough fat to feel satisfied. And eventually they binge after that. There's a satisfaction here that only God can bring to our lives. We praise Him because of His protection. Look at, our, look at verse 7 in your text. It says, I praise you from the shadow of your wings. See, His wings are down protecting us like, like a mother bird protects her little chicks. You know, the Almighty holding us as we cling to Him. Look at verse 8. He talks about how He clings to Him. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. I broke my right arm once and I had to be left-handed for a while. Guess what? My left hand doesn't work as well as my right hand does. Think about the power of God's mighty right hand. Think of that that. And, and He protects us against those who threaten to ruin us. You know, in our world today, if you're, if you're, if you're a Christian that believes the Bible and believes that Jesus is Lord and He's Savior and He's the only way into salvation, there are going to be people that are going to disagree with you. There are going to be people that are going to come after you. And they're going to come after you with zeal and purpose. And we need to be passionate. We need to be as passionate about what we believe as those that attack us. 
Not in a mean way, not in a haughty way, not in an ugly way, just in a passionate, this is what I believe way. So, what what do you think 2017 holds for you? I know some of you are going to graduate from high school. You're going to head off to college. Some people are going to, you know, there may be somebody in here that's going to get married. Maybe you have a career change. Maybe you're moving from one home to another. Maybe you're hoping, you know, your house gets built so you don't have to bum off people and live with them, you know, and things like that. You know, I understand. What, what, what does 2017 hold for you? You see, we don't know what 2017 holds. We, we kind of have an idea. We think, yeah, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. But, but, but what I'm trying to say to you today, and, 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 and if you didn't hear anything else, hear this. Whatever happens, wherever you find yourself, Whatever circumstance you're in, whether you never ever have to darken the doors of a hospital or something happens to you or a loved one and it seems like you're, you spend all your time in doctor's offices this next year. Whatever the case, whether your kids are safe or whether something, God forbid, happens, whatever the case If you have a passion for God, a passion for your relationship with Him, then you will have a wonderful and joyous year. It may not be an easy year. It may be a difficult year. But it will be a year where you can look back with satisfaction, real satisfaction, knowing that God and you walked through that year together. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a guy named Bill McCartney. He's really made me think about my life. Bill McCartney was the head coach at the University of Colorado back when they won a national championship. And he's one of the the founders of Promise Keepers. I know Promise Keepers was big for a while and it's kind of fizzled out and things and all that. But but there's one thing that, you know, Mark, push all that aside. There's one thing that Bill has really made me think about. Because I do like college sports, and I, and I am a fan, and, I, and all that. But, but Bill made the decision. He, he said, I cannot be around it and keep God, God in my life. And so he doesn't coach anymore. And he really doesn't go to games anymore. And he doesn't keep up with it anymore. Why? He said, because I can't. And keep God, God of my life. Now, you may say, man, that's silly. But you know what? If you're an alcoholic, you know you can't be around alcohol. And, and if you have some other kind of issue, you know you can't be around that. And, you know, it's, you, you've got to turn your back on that and walk away. And Bill said, I, I, I just, college football was a god to me. I can't, I can't be around it. So he gave it up. And my question for you today is, Is there something? Is there something that you need to give up so that you can make God God of your life? You don't have to share it with anybody else. You don't have to, you know. But I just just want you to think about that as we go through this. Is there something that maybe is more important than it should be? And it's occupying that place in your life where God needs to occupy.
He deserves your very best. He deserves your highest allegiance. He deserves the passion of your heart. He created you. He knows you better than anybody else. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. But will you meet Him and walk with Him daily? Will you have a passion for God above all else in this new year? You know, nobody in our world where everybody's telling everybody else what to do, nobody is going to make you put God first. You have to do that yourself. But God gives you the freedom of will to make Him first if you will choose to do so. So, it's not up to your family and it's not up to the folks you work with. It's not up even to Willie Ben Church. It's up to you where you put God in this new year.